Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about blood conservation. And if you're in a rush, I'm going to make it easy for you. Use TXA. Um, So tranexamic acid um, has been a huge game changer um, when it comes to blood conservation and most importantly in decreasing the incidence of blood transfusions after total knee replacement. So for most of you listening, I think probably throughout, you know, your training, that has just been commonplace. So you're lucky. Um, And it makes me feel old uh, to talk about it. But, you know, before TXA, it was extremely common to have patients that underwent big surgery that were in the hospitals for three, five, seven days that were placed on medicines like Lovenox and Warfarin for DVT prevention and donated blood on a regular basis. Early on, it was very common that if you had one knee done, you donated one unit. And if you had two knees done, you got two units and you just got it back in the recovery room. We didn't even check what your hemoglobin was because a lot of patients, you know, would drop their crits and, you know, you'd lose about 1.5 liters of blood per knee. So if you weren't paying attention and someone had bilateral knees today and then they didn't receive blood, and then you come in tomorrow, and all of a sudden their hemoglobin six. And we now know that when the hemoglobin is that low, those patients can't do physical therapy because they don't have the energy, so that delays their recovery. And we also know that if you get blood back, even if it's your own donated blood, there is this immunologic response that increases the risk of infection. So we looked at things like cell saver, which, you know, really was helpful for big bloody hip revisions, but you typically didn't get enough blood during a knee replacement with tourniquet up. So that was kind of a waste of time and money and nothing really happened. And some patients uh, even had the, um, the reinfusion drains. And, you know, what we found a lot of times was that the, even though it was your own blood coming from your knee, that patients even had a higher immunogenic response And many studies which looked at the rates of transfusions in patients that had the reinfusion drains or or did not, there wasn't a significant difference um, in the transfusion rates, and it was a lot of cost, which is one of the reasons that people abandoned it. So nowadays, things are a whole lot easier. Um, So we've really gone away from these heavy-duty blood thinners which notoriously had some of these bleeding complication rates at 15% or higher. You know, surgeries for the most part haven't changed a ton. You know, even people do them occasionally without tourniquet. And even when I do it, it's surprising. They don't really bleed that much. Um, But then after surgery, people are injecting, which I believe does have a good tamponade effect. Uh, and you know, the, the response that I have to people, you know, about the injections and even when people still used to use drains, it's like, well, you inject, you believe it has a tamponade effect. So yeah, you have a drain. If the nurse calls you at two in the morning and says, doc, the drain's putting out 400 cc's an hour, what do you do? Clamp the drain. You tamponade the knee. So I'm essentially doing that with my post-operative injection once the capsule's closed. It also lets me know, did I get a good tight seal on my capsular closure, but I've filled the knee 
in the hopes that it decreases additional bleeding because it's got to push through the pressure of all the local that's in there. Um, but we've changed the surgery. Uh, we've changed the post-operative choice of anticoagulation, now most commonly aspirin. Um, we've realized also that if patients are anemic, that they need to be worked up, tested, and treated before surgery. So there was a big craze, even before TXA. Um, Procrit and EPO were big things that we could use before surgery. And by doing those injections prior to surgery and bringing people's counts up, you decrease the need for a transfusion after surgery. And at the same time, around the country, transfusion triggers changed. You know, People got more comfortable having a lower hemoglobin or hematocrit and also a lot of hospitals and in, um, and groups pushed, don't just give two units. You know, if someone's low, give a unit and then reassess. But it's really important to know your numbers because I know when we started looking at TXA and we were always looking at length of stay and cost and things like that, we looked at transfusions. And, you know, I remember my transfusion rate I thought was somewhat low, um, but I was surprised it was close to 20%. And, you know, across the board, we were all around the same and we were all kind of surprised that it was higher than we thought it was. And now, with TXA, transfusion rates are less than 1%. So what's amazing is that it not only decreases the need for transfusion, but by keeping these hemoglobins higher, patients have more energy, they're able to do physical therapy, which in turn can help their overall recovery. So the big question really isn't, should you or should you not use TXA? The big question is, how do you use it? Um, and that's where the jury is still out. So I think many people will tell you, it doesn't really matter how you use it, just use it. Because there's been studies that have looked at topical versus intravenous. And when we started using it, there was a big concern about, should we give it to people that have a history of stroke, that have a history of heart attack, that have a history of a stent, that have other issues that may increase the risk of venothromboembolic disease. But again, it doesn't make clots. You know, TXA, you have to understand the mechanism. If you don't know, go look it up. Basically, it binds to stabilize those clots that have been made. So it doesn't cause clotting. And when you look back at the data, you know, there is an incidence of using TXA that can cause clotting, but this was in the cardiac and the cardiothoracic literature. And we're talking, these are intra-op, big, big heart cases where you're using 40 grams or more. You know, most surgeons are typically using a gram. And then studies came out that started to say, hey, listen, you know, we looked at all comers and all comers, no increased risk of PE or DVT. And that really changed the momentum and people became a lot less concerned about, do I strategically choose, does this person get it or not based on their risk factors and health history? So now pretty much across the board, everyone's getting it. But then people looked, you know, the oral pills, again, are good. They're huge horse pills. People hate taking them. Topical was the thing that we were typically using in patients when we started using TXA. And we said, I'm not sure, should we give it IV? Um, if we give it IV, is there an increased risk they're going to have some clot or some other issue? So we would use it topical. But now all patients get it. And then every institution needs to really look at their patients and their results and their numbers. Um, we did a study that really looked at two doses versus one, because we had decided already, you know, we're not using oral, we're using IV, we were using IV and topical in select patients, and then we went to all IV, but we actually went back and looked and said, okay, intraoperative dose and a second dose at eight hours versus just one intraoperative dose. And what we found in our grouping was that there was no difference. So basically, you saved half the cost, or if you give two doses to everybody, you're doubling your cost with no 
proven statistical benefit of decreasing your transfusion rate. So our typical protocol now is one dose, all hips, all knees. Now, when does that change? Um, There are some cases, say like a big revision or a hip that is just more oozy, um, bleeds more than normal. Maybe they already had a lower count than I would like coming in, but we're still within the range which was normal for surgery. That is something that I may selectively say in this individual, I believe that the risk of bleeding is a little bit greater and therefore I'll add a second dose. But I would say 99% of the time without going back and looking at it, you know, I give one dose. And we got in the habit of just using it all pre-op. So as part of it, they get their antibiotics, they get their TXA, anesthesia knows to give it, we know it's in and we don't miss anybody in this way. It's there to start um, and we have it. But I think that's been a huge thing. So for all of you that are used to it, just understand that there's been a huge game changer. You know, we really have lowered the risk of complications after surgery. Um, it's a big thing too when you're talking to hospitals, especially if you're getting a job and you're talking about gain sharing and you want to improve your patient's outcomes. You know, also talk to the hospitals and say, hey, listen, we're decreasing a huge cost here. We're not typing crossing and typing screening every patient. We're not spending money on the blood product. We're not spending money on the tubing. And when you look at how many transfusions you would have without the use of TXA, and you look at how many patients you operate on per year, and you calculate that, it's a huge amount of money. And then you look at this cost of TXA, which is very, very cheap, and you go, hey, listen, we just saved your hospital X numbers of dollars by making this change in our protocol. So as you do all of these things down the road, you know, really take a look at those things and really have a clear understanding of you know, what did it cost to do it the old way you know, and what were the risks and the benefits. And now we're doing it in a new way, which has been proven to be better. And what's the risks and benefits and cost? Because this is another cost-saving thing that we have done as surgeons in the total joint world, which has improved patients' outcomes it has lowered the risk of complications, and it has saved healthcare dollars. So things to think about as you go forward. Um, but definitely, nice game changer. You guys will use it uh, you know, for the rest of your lives until something comes along that's better. Um, but the, the simple answer, again, like we started, if you kind of dozed off and kind of missed everything that I talked about the past few minutes, use TXA decreases the risk of transfusions. Thanks for listening. Um, If you have uh, questions or you have topics that you'd like to hear, um, please uh, shoot me a message, um, email, direct message me on on Twitter. Um, Let me know what program you're from and what topics you would like to hear. And in the meantime, stay safe. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.